What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Uncharted Pod. I am Yush, and the guy who just really interjected in the middle of my intro is Shub. It's all good. Uh, How y'all doing? My name's Shub. Welcome back. I think this is episode, what, almost 10 now? Double digits? Are we in that, are we in that sphere? What do you think? We are in the double digit sphere now. So Let's get it. To all Getting a nice flow of things. Who have been, dude, we hit 55 plays. We are 55 plays total, man. About time. We're, we're and the funniest now. thing is, we like for our listeners, we haven't started like marketing this or anything. Like we're just trying to take it day by day, be really slow. Uh, the first pod we marketed and put on our socials and stuff was the John Moran pod. And we got 12 plays on that. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everyone uh, who clicked the links uh, in our bios and took the time to actually listen to a minute or two of it because uh, it's much appreciated. Definitely. Um, you know, one minute of streaming it's equivalent to one stream for us. So, so just hop on our minute. pod, just listen to one minute. Oh my God. You spend more time on that on TikTok than that. Exactly. You know, so if you, if you one do TikTok that, worth of streams, listen to us talk, ramble for like one minute. That'd be most appreciated. Definitely. Um, what did I, what did I say to you? I said, you know, if we market this, we should get like what? Eight to 10. I told you, man. I told Dude, you. Eight to 10. Our baby. homies, our homies uh, helped us out. Um, but pushing. yeah, we're, we're going to kick it off guys. We're, um, you know, steadily approaching the NBA season. Preseason starts yeah, sure. less than a week, bro. Are you stoked or what? Yeah, dude. Can't First, wait to see all our third stringers, um, uh, every single <laughs> team just ball out. Um, completely ball out. Yeah. Quinn hey, Cook might have be- a crazy 25, 25 point game, bro. That's why he got re-signed to play in that preseason. Hey, 25 more points than Dion Waiters is going to have this season. <laughs> Shut up, dog. <laughs> Um, shout out to the Lakers for re-signing uh, your boy QC. Um, I know the Lakers are excited to have him back, um, you know, back on the roster again. So that's stoked. Um, we are going to get into it again. Um, this is our third installment of our player projections um, series before the, you know, NBA season starts up again. Uh, we're we're d- diving deep. If this is the first one we're listening to, into 21 players. Uh, for 21 days, who we yeah, think sure. is going to have an intriguing season and a really interesting season, um, and who has maybe a lot of uh, a lot more pressure on them than uh, most NBA players do. So uh, we did Lonzo Ball. Uh, we talked about John ja Morant. And drumroll, please. Our third installment is Shea Gilgis Alexander, the boy. Let's go, your, your boy from Canada, from the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, second year player out of Kentucky, uh, yeah, 11th sure. pick in the 2018 draft. Um, this guy, this guy is super dope. Um, I guess I'll just kick things off. Why, uh, he was sort of on my list. Um, as we know, Chris Paul has left the thunder after, uh, you know, really overachieving season, um, with the thunder getting that fifth seed. Um, he was traded to Phoenix recently. Um, so who's left on that thunder team. We know Sam Presti's stockpiling picks like no tomorrow. Um, but what's actually left on that thunder roster is someone's got to play Someone's got to take the bull of that load. And, you know, the best remaining player there is after, Dennison, Chris, and even Steven Adams and Kalinari got traded um, is Shea. Um, and this guy's coming off of 19 points a game. And I'm just really, really excited uh, to see what, what, what he comes up with in his third season uh, with, a, you know, the, the keys to the car, basically, in Oklahoma City. Uh, what, what are your, Josh, what are your first impressions of Shea? And, uh, you know, what do you think about him, you know, kind of stepping up to the plate here in year three? Sure. Uh, right before I jump into Shea, actually, I pulled up their depth chart for the OKC Thunder. And, Dude, they don't have yeah. yeah, they don't have a bad team coming into this season. Like you may think that that they traded away or like they lost a bunch of pieces um in this particular offseason, but 
they have George Hill from the Stephen Adams trade. They have Al Horford. They have Trevor Ariza. Um, Hamdi Diallo is still with them. And Lugan Stort, who played well, you know, last oh, year. Oh, yeah. He's Dort is a, a fan favorite, them. dude. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to be a star for them. You know, like, they, they don't have a ton of depth. Like, you know, Mike Muscala is there. I guess, like, he can provide some sort of value. But like you said, you know, pivoting here, Shea is the, you know, he's got the keys to the franchise now. And, the guy. like, just before we jump into it, real quick, we can kind of go over, you know, some of his stats. This past season, he averaged 19 points, um, about six rebounds, three assists, you know, pretty good season, right? And it was very obvious that he's, like, not the flashiest player that you'll see, not the fastest player. Um, he doesn't have, like, a crazy vertical or athleticism compared to the players around him. And I think that's kind of just what makes him so impressive, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the sense that, like, his game is very fundamentally solid. And yeah. um, especially when it comes to finishing at the rim. And, and that's what I kind of took away from this season. And, like, what I saw even in his time at Kentucky, he, he definitely had that um, way of getting to the basket where he didn't even have a flashy finish, but, you know, he'd be able to finish on both sides. Um, you know, like get over the top of defenders, use his body for, you know, taking contact and, you know, finishing. It reminded me of a, like, looking back, uh, he's like a, a less athletic version of John Morant, who can probably yeah. play the pick and roll better than he can. So, yeah, definitely. Um, no, I love everything you said. I do want to touch on sort of what he's going to be expecting in terms of an environment um, yeah. with Shay. Um, you know, coming off a really successful season now, it's sort of, you know, a completely young season. I have to look up right now who the Thunder's coach is going to be because I don't remember them signing, um, you know, a coach or whatever, but it's apparently one of their former assistants, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Mark I remember that. Uh, uh, Dagnalt. Um, and yeah. so he was a former assistant and he was a former coach of the G League team. Uh, and it's going to be a replacement placing uh, Billy Donovan. So Future when Nick you get Nursing. a former assistant, Future Nick Nurse, we don't know. When you're when you're promoting an assistant and not it's not an outside hire, you know you're going full young young mode on this team. Oh yeah, and you know with the assets, you know Sam Presti has gotten. Um, you know I looked at the depth chart too. It's just a ton of young guys. Dort is like a huge fan favorite on Twitter. Um, fully aware people are high on Baisley. Uh, Diallo won the dunk contest too. It reminds me of you know a few se- Laker seasons ago, um, where we were starting. <laughs> Jordan Hill, Ryan Kelly, Jordan Jesus Clarkson. Jesus dude. That was um, horrible. So they're going full young. And, you know, we expect them to win, you know, about 20, 25 games or so. But someone's going to have to compete. Someone's going to have to put up points for them. Someone's going to have to, you know, finish a game for them. And, you know, the person who's going to take a bulk of those shots is going to be Shea. And before we get into him, um, I really like what you said, like the George Hills, um, you know, getting him and how he could really fit on this team and kind of be uh, a guide for exactly. uh you know shay you know coming off cp3 um no no one's gonna be a better leader than that in the league uh for for yeah. shay for a young player like that but to sort of guide this young uh young man on the helm um at, at the point guard position you know george hill's a good a backup option for that so i'm really excited for how he's gonna affect shay in his game um i guess we can kick things off um you know, we could sort of dive into Shea's game and, and the positives. You touched on it a little bit, but what, what, what are some of the things that stand out to you in his game? Maybe, uh, you know, talking about the differences between year one on the Clippers before he got traded for Paul George um, to year two on the Thunder now. 
That's a great question. I think the the main thing that you see is that that the like little ascension because he got a little bit more of a you know more hands on the ball when he was playing with the the Thunder. With the Clippers, he had to kind of fit in the role where he kind of had to be the third option on that team. If if, if you you know if you could if you could consider him as that third option, but coming into this season with the Thunder, I think his finishing got, you know, definitely got better. You could see he was more confident with the ball. Um, he was in control more um, in terms of like, you know, dictating the offense. And what I liked the most about him was the fact that he knows how to use his body and at such a young age to be able to like, you know, find contact or figure out a way to, you know, score the ball without necessarily having a phenomenal jump shot, I think is very valuable for a guard in this league. I don't know, what, what were some things that kind of stood out to you um, when it came to looking at him? I guess from a Clippers perspective, what, what did you like about him on the Clippers? Um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of a similar situation, um, but they also overachieved as well. You know, they got a collection um, of young guys. Montrez was coming off, um, you know, making a name for himself. Patrick Beverly. Um, got traded there for CP. Um, Lou Williams is there. So that collection, Dino Gallinari, was also young, but they overachieved with Doc Rivers. Um, and oh, yeah, they definitely did. Young, young rookie coming in. The Clippers actually traded for him, um, you know, af- on a draft night from the Hornets. So the Hornets actually drafted him 11, uh, but they, ha- they got him on a draft deal um, uh, that, that same night. So, you know, I, I didn't really see a role for him on the Clippers. He was just kind of – he – you know, 25 minutes a game, 11 points a game, um, still kind of finding his way because the Clippers were trying to uh, build their own identity with, you know, definitely other, other guys um, on the, on the catch and stuff like that. Um, so he, he was kind of on the back burner and still just like had a rookie season, a regular rookie season. And he was all rookie second team, right. Just finding his stride. Uh, but yeah. what I remember after the Clippers is just like, like, that Paul George trade. And it's kind of similar. I'll make a parallel too. like, you know, when we hear about James Harden rumors, um, you know, they, the Rockets are recommended to sort of get a young prospect in return. Right. Yeah. And, you know, some of the names that pop up, uh, you know, Karis LeVert isn't enough. Right. But someone like MPJ could maybe turn the needle for Houston. Right. Someone that can be exactly. a prospect that could turn into a superstar. So that's uh, similar to this because that was sort of the caveat for Presti. Uh, when trading for Paul George. It's like, okay, you want Paul George? The picks are set, but I'm going to need Shea. And I heard, you know, in the Clippers locker room, sources were saying that, you know, that was a really tough deal for Doc in the front office to give away Shea because they know how good he could be and look what he's about to turn into. So my point is, um, you know, everyone after the offseason with the Clippers um, knew how good this guy could be um, and really fast too because his game, and I'll just dive into the positives a little bit, Um you know, what he does on the court is just, you know, fully polished. His game is just really, really polished. He's really fundamentally sound. Um, yeah. he ha- I like his spin move off the dribble, if you see a lot of his Yeah, plays, he does right? that a lot, but it works really well. Line, it works really well because you get the defender off balance with the first step, and then at the three-point line, you switch directions, and that creates a driving lane for him. And that's what's really impressive to me about his game and how effective that's been for him um, scoring the basketball. Um, so that's the glaring positive I see. Um, everything else is pretty steady, right? We saw, you mentioned the rebounding numbers and the assist numbers. Exactly. Um, I like them a lot. I like them a lot. Um, you know, he's an average three-point shooter, 
um, but getting to the hole, getting getting in the lane, making plays down there. I, I like his you know game from under twenty five feet because he can really really make plays exactly. down there. Um, so I like that a lot. Um, you know, so those are the main positives that stick out to me uh, from there. Definitely, and and just to add on to that a little bit, I, what I really enjoy about his game is the fact that like he has the pieces already that players generally struggle to find at later parts of their career. Like being a good pick and roll point guard, like coming into the league, just puts you in another level of its own because you can't really list a bunch of average pick and roll point guards. Like you need playmakers, and like you know, with the Lakers last season, like they didn't have a playmaker and they and they struggled. Until, you know, it came down to the wire when, you know, Rondo really stepped up um, and kind of took over yeah. that position for them. So in the same regard, you know, you have SGA, like he can play as like a second option or a primary option on any team because being a floor general that can, that can run the pick and roll is super important. And he can score by finishing. And your three-point shot or like your outside jumper always develops over time. And I can see, like, you know, he shot actually better, you know, the previous season than this one um, when he was with the Clippers. And, I mean, it, it just goes to show that, you know, over the course of time, I can see him. If he can get his, like, three-point percentage up to 40%, which he definitely can do. He's only 22, right? Um, he, you can definitely see him being that type of player that can possibly be, like, a 50, 40, 90 player going into his, like, year, like, when, he, when he's, like, 28 years old. Yeah, and, and, and what I that's find, and that's his that's his ceiling in my opinion. Yeah, that's his ceiling. I, I think um his so his catch and shoot um percentage is insane. He shoots forty two percent on catch and shoot threes this season. Ridiculous, uh, yeah. which is which is really impressive. Um, so catch and shoot shots like forty percent. Um, but yeah, his three point percentage on from three is is really incredible. And the pull up game, um, that's where it dips down to thirty two. And that's why you see that sort of median pretty much. Um, so yeah, he's not a, a natural shooter, scorer for sure, but he's a scorer like that. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, if you can score 19 in the league, like in your second year. Yeah, I guess I know what you mean by natural, but like if you can score like that, I think that's pretty impressive. Um, I'm trying to see how much he goes to the line, but, um, you know, he's very effective in that sense. And so it's just with ease, like 19 points a game, like playing uh, around CP3 now that's another question is, you know, how many of those opportunities were created by such, you know, a savvy point guard, not only with CP, but with Dennis Schroeder as well. You know, how much did he benefit? And that's why I think he's so intriguing as a player. We really need to focus on this is how much of those opportunities were created by CP3 and Dennis Schroeder, right? Because we talk about their, you know, what was their five-man lineup that was amazing in the clutch? It was CP, Shea, uh, Dennis, uh, Gallo, and Adams, right? So, You know, being on the floor with them, you know, benefited a lot. You know, you have CP and Dennis really penetrating um, and, you know, getting things well in order and, and you know, creating opportunities. And that's why the catch and shoot percentage is so high because those passes were probably right on the money from CP, right? There's 42% sure. from catch and shoot, especially in those clutch lineups. So that's what's so intriguing about me is like, how much is this guy a natural creator for himself? And these stats um, are more so about, you know, him creating these stats or his, you know, really offensively gifted teammates, you know, creating these stats. And that's, I think, what's going to be really intriguing next season uh, as he was like the full keys of the car. Yeah. And, and I think just to counter your point a little bit, like that catch and shoot percentage was like 8.9% of his shots came from that. And like, if you're, if you're talking 9% of his jumpers um, that he's shooting are coming from 
other player makers. Like, he's not like he's creating majority of these 19 points that he's scoring. And, you know, his highest frequencies, you know, scoring when he's getting to the basket. And generally speaking, like, even if you were to look down a little bit and like kind of go through like how many dribbles he, he, most of the time, like he's taking three to six dribbles before getting to the basket. And, you know, the type of guy that he is, like he's trying to get to the basket at any given moment. And um, that's like the meat of his game. So he's the type of guy that can definitely like going into this upcoming season, if he just makes an extra three a game and like, he'll probably go to the basket two or three more times than he did this season because, you know, he's their franchise player, quote unquote, right, right now. So I can, I can definitely see him averaging like 22 points a game, you know, coming into this season, particularly because of that reason by itself. His passing, like from what I've seen, even in Kentucky and stuff, like I don't know how you feel about his passing, but it's not like amazing. He's like an all right playmaker when it comes to, you know, he, he's good at getting the ball to the big when he's running pick and roll, but I've never seen him like make good outside passes or find players in the weak side or anything like that. What are your What are your thoughts on his like passing ability? Uh, I think he's, he, he's a improving playmaker. Like we're saying, I think a lot of these guys are just like, you can see the potential and ascension in each parts of their game. And I think it's just right there. Like with everyone else, like we talk about, uh, John Morant's defensive effort, right? It's the same thing with him, right? As a passer, I think, you know, he's still finding his role in the league. Um, and on his role last season, um, was just to sort of still be that scorer and creator and stuff like that. So, sure. um, I think, I think playmaking for others, uh, especially as a point guard, you could see it maybe upcoming this season. But I think that's a conversation you kind of have for like five, six, seven-year players, right? We know Kyrie yeah. Irving's an amazing scorer, um, but how does he make others better, right? Those are the questions uh, for him heading into Boston. Those are the questions him uh, heading into the Nets, uh, right? Yeah. Um, we know how amazing a scorer he is, but can he create for others, right? We, we know what Steph can do for others, right? Um, you know, a lot of these point guards, if he's going to play the point guard position, those are the questions to answer. And I think he is improving that playmaking ability, you know, especially having a center like Steven Adams who can catch anything down there and a lob threat like that. Um, it makes it pretty easy. So I, I think he had the tools last season. And that's why I'm a little, you know, sus about these stats because like, think about the tools he had at his disposal, man. He had a lot of talent around him. Like obviously the team wasn't around him, but like, you know, and like we just talked about those three point guards, Steph, Kyrie, CP is arguably the best player that makes other people better. You know, I was listening to Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell yesterday about um, people were thinking DeAndre Jordan was the best center in the league back in 2015. Yeah, just because of he was just playing along CP3 Paul, yeah. was making him so good, right? So it's the same thing. Like, that's why I'm really, really curious to see if it's the story of the same thing. Like, I would kind of push back on that 22 points a game um, kind of prediction because. I could maybe see the same thing here. Um, you know, maybe Al Orford gets some shots. Maybe uh, Baisley takes, takes a rise. Maybe Dort develops an offensive game too. So there's still a lot of unknowns. Um, and I'm not super positive that, you know, while Shea can create and he has so much potential, that he's necessarily going to take a leap up from his previous season because of the players around him were so good at making him look good too. If that makes sense. Maybe, but like I think that primarily, if we're just talking about points, he definitely scores off the dribble more than he does catching passes. So he he definitely is a more of an unassisted player. I just don't know how he's gonna like elevate the status of the team because yeah. if you look at his play style, like 
the Heat, like the team that I have right now, is a good three point shooting team. Like decent, uh, yeah. Like their roster, like these people can all spot up at the three and shoot. And well, door door can't door door is like developing. Sure, so. yeah, but I'm talking about like Trevor Reza and Al Horford, Mike Muscala to a certain extent too, right? Like these are all players that you can catch at the three and they can shoot. He, I haven't seen him make any of those passes when he gets to the paint whatsoever. He's been the type of guy to either dump it to the big, like either make that quick play or get to the free throw line. Like he wasn't the type of guy to make that weak side pass that we see from um, some young guards. So I'm just curious to see, like, does he have the vision to make those weak side passes when the defense is collapsing on him? Does he have the ability to, you know, get these players in the open, open for the three? Like that's going to be, I think, a good emphasis for the team coming up into this next season, because when you have so many three and D players on your squad, I think like you would benefit from having a guard who can kind of find those players and make those passes. So I'm like, I agree. I, I can but see the we, points. I, I just don't see like how like he's, this is going to be like empty, empty points in my opinion. Like, I think that's where the discrepancy is going to be for the thunder. Um, I don't know because yeah, well, I wouldn't give their current team constructed like a ton of credit. Right. Cause we don't like Danny green's gone. <laughs> Kelly Oubre is gone. Like, the ones they had momentarily in them. Like, yeah. their starting lineup is Diallo, Dort, Baisley, and Al Horford, dude. Like, those – Dort can't shoot. Baisley can somewhat shoot. They t- traded Terrence Ferguson, who was kind of their catch-and-shoot player. Um, Why would Baisley so, start over Ariza? I'm pretty sure Ariza would start over Baisley. Is Ariza there? Yeah. Ariza plays for the Thunder, bro. He got traded in the um, Steven Adams trade. So no. – that was, that was Shay's yeah. Shay's usage percentage is twenty three point five. Yeah. So last season, so it's somewhat decent. So maybe you expect that to go up, but you know, just the sense of like finding him and stuff like that—that's also a factor. Is what I'm trying to say. Like in his stats being so good, right? He he was in. I I'm just of the camp where he was in the right situation at the right time. And it benefited too, but that's not to take away from his game at all. And that's why I think it's so intriguing to see, like you know, what's to come come next. Um, we talked about the playmaking needs to take a step up. Um, what did you find defensively from Shea that um, you know you didn't know before? Honestly, I didn't really see him being like too much of a defensive minded point guard. I, I don't I don't really see him like as a guy that can kind of. He's a skinny guy that can kind of He's play six defense. five, six five at the point. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He can't. He can't move his like. He's got length and size, but I don't know if he can move his feet laterally. Yeah. Yeah, and keep up with the guards. Like I, th- that. Obviously, is something that he has to work on. Like it's not like I think. Maybe in a few years, maybe we can talk defense. But right now, like that's not like he's not a two way player by any means. Like Schroeder yeah. was. Oh yeah. Schroeder was their defensive guy that was in the, in the guard position for them last year. That was in their backcourt, right? Like him and CP3 kind of carried that defensive presence. So right now they don't have that going into this upcoming season. Unless you count Lugan's yeah. part as their like best defensive player other than Ariza. They do. He's good, dude. <laughs> he is. Did you see him lock up oh, Harden? Oh, 100%. Like, we should have a whole podcast on that guy, bro. He's so good. I know. He's actually amazing. Um, also, breaking news we just found out. Um, LeBron and AD are switching numbers. LeBron is going to wear number oh, six. Oh, they are? And AD is going to wear 23 for the Lakers next season. We know I did that not was know like, that. 
that, that was sort of what they had planned last season, but Nike yeah. kind of got in the way of that. So that that'll be pretty interesting to see LeBron wear number six. So going back to his Olympic or practice number, that'll be interesting as well. Um, it's pretty yeah, cool. I, I think I, I think you could sort of put him Shea in a category with um, you know John Morant. It's just I mean at a lesser degree, it's just like the ascension is there. Like I mentioned, the potential is there. Now we just need to see it in action. I think that's why it's so intriguing about him. That's what I'm really going to be seeing. I know, uh, you know, being a dead horse and stuff. It's just like with his own team now, what is Shea going to come up with? Right. Um, you know, he's, I, I just can't harp on enough how his fundamentals are just like so solid, um, you know, can shake a guy down um, and drive by them with ease. You know, his height is really going to help him if he's really going to play the point guard position. Um, and his handle is super tight. Look at his turnovers. Like, can we yeah. talk about that too? It's pretty, that guy pretty didn't even average two turnovers a game, averaging 19 points. Um, so that's really, really impressive um, if you're handling the ball a lot like that. Um, obviously helps when you're playing the two guard next to CP3 who does all the ball handling. But yeah. to keep those turnovers low like that um, really speaks to his ball handling and how, you know, he's just really fishing on those drives and, um, you know, just keeps the ball out of harm's way a lot of the time. Sure. Yeah. Like, but I think one thing that we've kind of come to the consensus of a little bit is that he's kind of a one-dimensional player. Like that's what I'm noticing throughout this pod. Like he's got certain skill sets that allow him to really excel that you don't see in other guards, but how does this translate over the career of like five, six years? Like he's got to develop a three-point shot, right? He's got to be able to pass the ball better. He's got to be able to, to a certain degree, play some defense, like, I think the defensive field goal percentage against him was like what fifty five percent. It's pretty good <laughs> uh, for the for the other team to you know to kind of take him to the bank, bro. So you know, bringing that a little lower, like making him a better player um, in those regards. That's what I'm saying. You can't you can't judge yeah. these guys like off their second season. That's what I'm saying. No, All sure, these yeah. guys' numbers are going to be like t- exactly. terrible like this. Exactly. But like I'm just saying, like looking into the future for this guy, like that these are the places where he has to improve. Whether that's but that's where every size. like rookie can can improve on. Second year player can improve on. That's what I'm saying. You think so? I, I I think as of recently, a lot of second year players come in with some of those things already kind of figured out. Like Jason like, Tatum in his second year, like like Jason Tatum in his second year was obviously a completely different player than SGA, right? You could say the same about Donovan Mitchell. Like these are the guys that you would be comparing him to, right? Because he is their franchise player, so you got to look at other young franchise player, right? Like Trey Young, horrible defensive player, but was averaging 29 a game. and was Horrible. A phenomenal. Okay, but know, Trey Young is like in a class of his own, kind of. Yeah, him and, him and Luca are. But yeah, but I'm, nice, I'm just saying, like, when you compare NBA players, like sophomores especially, like, you got to compare them against their own, like, their own class. And, and technically speaking, was, if he's the guy was, to go to, like, who are you comparing him as? De'Aaron Fox? In his second year, Donovan Mitchell, right? Maybe you could even put in Kyle Kuzma there, Lonzo, right? I was going to say, like, that was the best segue you could have possibly given because now it's time for our segment of, you know, looking where he stacks up with his draft class. And luckily sure. for us, he has a very recent draft class um, being the 2018 NBA draft. He was 11th. So a lot of these names were definitely, you know, still prevalent in this league right now. Like, none of them have sort of washed up, but. Number one overall was Aiton. Then we talk about Bagley. Luca was third. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr. was fourth. Trey at five. Mo Bamba at six. Shout out Mo Bamba. Uh, mm-hmm. Seven, Wend- Wendell Carter. Eight is Sexton. Nine is Kevin Knox. 
10 is Mikhail Bridges and Shea is 11. Where do you see, if we were to redraft this order, I definitely see him top five for sure. Do you think he's like the fifth best in this draft or do you think he's the third behind Luca and Trey immediately? If you take out Marvin Bagley, right. Is Shea better than Aiden at this point? I don't think so. Would you have would Aiden's you have a 2010 Aiden player? Shea? Aiden's a 2010 player with an upside of like like he's a strong defensive like he can become a strong defensive player. He's got Shea, the size. Shea is like, almost 26 and 26 and three. Something. So so I think they're comparable. I don't know who's better, but like I I think Shea's like more of a, a project than Aiden is. I think Aiden's yeah. ready to go. I think yeah. Uh, I mean, it depends on your your team and you know what you have going Needs. for you. But I I definitely think that if I had to build around someone, I would choose. I mean, I'd, I'd probably go with Aiden just because he, he'd be a good piece to fit in on any team. SGA, like you got to develop him, work on him, like you said, right? And that takes that takes time, that takes effort. Yeah, you got to be in the right place at the right time. Like we saw Markel Fultz, like that guy needed like massive amounts of development and i i think that if that guy was in the right place which is not philly in a different in a different city playing for a different team he would have been a good player right yeah but now he's definitely like, would have but like um i don't know shay i could see him maybe going sixth 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 or yeah maybe fifth i think maybe he's the sixth best, best player in this draft i think i think he's fourth we got who else he, could you put if you were to redraft this clash, right, you put Luca first, then you would put so Trey. Doncic, then Young, then I go. You could go Aiden. Aiden, fine, and then you go SGA. Who else is that there? I put Jaron Jackson, and then SGA. Okay, yeah, that's what I would do. I put JJ Junior over him. You would put Jaron Jackson Junior over him. Todd, that guy's a three-point shooting center. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's shooting him well, and like putting up numbers, especially with John Morant and stuff. Yeah, but if you if you look at it if you look at it from an overall perspective, right? Yeah, Jaron Jackson Jr. has more ways of scoring and has a defensive presence that SGA doesn't have. But that doesn't that, and I think like he just has more dimensions to his game. That's why I would draft him above someone like SGA. SGA but right. That's- Right now, it's like saying Trey Young is faster than Aiden and using that as a pro. Well, like no shit, they play completely different positions. So if you're no, but if you were to compare Jaron Jackson Jr. against players in his own center class, right? Like you want nowadays, you need a center that can kind of stretch the floor, right? Someone that can shoot threes, not at a crazy clip, but like enough to like be respected, and then also be able to roll to the rim, which he can do, and you know has some sort of a game, you know, with his back to the basket, like. For and he 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 fulfills all those roles for them, right? Whether he does it like to like a superstar level or not, obviously no. But like for a rookie that played last season, like he did great, right? And then you look at SGA, and SGA has like a really good finishing game. Yeah. And then uh, what else? Like he can kind of shoot from the three, like he's average, if that, right? And then, like, from from a point guard perspective, you need a guy who can pass the ball. You need a guy who can score the ball, right? Whether that's through finishing or shooting the ball. And then, like, someone that can somewhat play defense. The yeah. third one, the third one is like not as important because, you know, it's okay. But like, you need, and he's not a, he's not a phenomenal playmaker. Averaging three assists for a point guard is, in in today's league, is like not amazing. It's, it's, it's not. Honestly, it's subpar. So. 
Well, you got to think like he's moved from shooting guard to point guard. Yeah, but he's that, playing a new role right now. Sure, but so at the same those three time, assists, like, those three assists were like from even if you even if you were to watch him in Kentucky and to watch him, you know, on the Clippers, like the guy did not pass the ball, like he didn't rotate the ball any further than getting it like to the guy he was running the pick and roll with. Like he, you're more critical of this guy than I am. I think he's a really exciting player. <laughs> no, I think so too. I I just like when you look at his game, like oh, from an overall perspective, like these are the things that he needs to work on to like really take over and become the player that everyone, you know, is projecting him to be right. Like but you're still expecting line, 22 points out of him. If he has these flaws, he, he, can, he can average 22, bro. Getting to the rim makes you automatically better than a lot of players that, you know, rely on a jump shot. Cause it's one, if you, if you can figure out how to finish at the basket in the NBA, like you're, I think you're per, like particularly better than just a guy who's like a pure shooter. Cause everything else takes care age. of itself. Because the shooter, the shooting can develop later. That's what exactly like like point. like if you were to compare him to Tyler Hero, right? What's Tyler Hero's biggest problem? He can't run the pick and roll, and he can't finish at nowhere near like what he what he's you know could be finishing at, and that would you know make people respect his three more. Because all you have to do is just push him to the basket, and you know he's going to get bodied, and he's not going to be able to get the ball up, right? Completely agree. Um, I so think that's where uh, I. Yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of improvements to be made, but he, he is just super electrifying and exciting, um, you know, from Canada as well. And so, you know, third year, he's going to have a lot to prove. I think they've probably, they've definitely had inner, you know, conversations in the front office. Like I think yeah. the media and the team knows like, and Sam Presti knows like, listen, Shay, like here are the keys to the car, like go like take us home, whatever it is. Um, you know, how many games they win is going to be, you know, up to them and stuff, but Oh yeah, uh, we're hoping him, you know, good success and uh, you know as a leader of this team, we'll see, we'll see how his leadership evolves as well. Um, out of OKC, um, that's gonna be really, really interesting. Um, yeah. you know, heading into a season where you're projected to lose a lot of games, so exactly. Um, really looking forward to how his personality develops as well as his improvements on the court. Um, develops. Um, that's just about gonna do it for us. Last thing is just you know stat projections. What do you got for him? I guess I'll I'll go first. I think he is gonna have, you know. Let's see, 20 and a half points a game. I think the rebounding takes a dip. We're going to keep it like at five. 20 and a half, five. And the assists, because he's a point guard, is going to go up. So I'm saying I think it's going to be like five. So five. 20, 20, 20 and a half, five and five um, for next season for Shea. What about you? Sheesh, I'd probably say 22, four, and five. Five, yeah. not five assists, but five rebounds. So five boards. Okay, five pretty boards solid. And four, four assists. And hopefully that shooting can get up from thirty-four point seven. Um, it can it can move up from that as well. So yeah, I'm curious to see uh, how his pull-up shooting three is going to be like. Yeah, his pull-up his pull-up is going to be um, especially being the one who's going to have the ball in his hands and create um for others this time. So a lot of his threes are actually going to be more um pull-ups than catch and shoots were, which is what happened last year as well. Any last thoughts on this guy on SGA, our boy? He needs a nickname too, but uh, you know, most like most of these young guys do. Dude, I call him the young fundamental, bro. That's what I call. Him. Yeah, that, that, I agree. His fundamentals young, are on point. Young fundamental. The young fundamental, not the big fundamental yet, but you know, soon yeah. to be. But we'll it's a long, it's a long nickname for a guy with a longer name, dude. Oh yeah, dude, he's nuts. <laughs> um, that's gonna do it for us today guys thank you so much for tuning into the uncharted pod this has been our uh you know player projection on shay gil, gil just alexander um the boy from okc 11th pick 
Um, we're expecting big things out of him um, and super stoked. So stay tuned uh, for our next one. It's on another exciting player tomorrow. We're really excited um, to just keep this going and, you know, just really excited to get to December 22nd where uh, all these guys are going to, you know, head into action. So appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Take care and uh, can't wait to see you guys next time. Peace.